Welcome to Taking Back Her Brain with Love, the only podcast using neuroscience and self-coaching strategies to rewire your brain to get the results you want in your life. With your host, Coach Amber Lynn. Hey there, ladies, and thank you for joining me today on Taking Back Her Brain with Love. Today we are continuing to learn about insecure attachment style with focus on primal panic. Just a quick summary of the previous episodes. There are several different forms of insecure attachment. They are different in how one responds when their attachment system is triggered. When an insecure attachment system is triggered, primal panic is initiated. The primal part of our brain sends signals to our brain that we are in danger that our security is in danger. So in a need to get back to safety, it activates our attachment system. When our attachment system has been activated, it causes stress hormones to be released. This lowering the cuddle hormone oxytocin that provides a sense of trust and safety and connection. So for a baby, when they're feeling overwhelmed, it acts out by crying or demanding, screaming for help, If the attachment figure is not consistent in soothing a baby, it is primed to protest, showing anxiously attached behaviors. As a child, we're all emotions. Our amygdala in our brains are quick to signal danger and react to possible dangers. It reacts reflectively, instinctively, without evaluating the real threat or adjusting reaction to the size of the actual threat. As an adult... When our attachment or our anxious attachment system has been activated, this desperate search or need for comfort still feels very primal, as in our brain only perceives the circumstances we are experiencing as real threats to our lives. Our brain feels like we are going to die. It doesn't differentiate because it still is activating that primal part of our brain. It makes us feel like we are in an immediate danger and we need to act now. We engage in protest behaviors to get our need of connection back. And that's why it feels so urgent. Those protest behaviors can be hyperactivating or deactivating. Either way, <coughs> pardon me. Either way, we perceive that we are in danger of being abandoned or rejected by our partner, and we do whatever we can to feel or perceive that we are close to them again. Or, quote, prove our unconscious bias is true. When primal panic is triggered, adults feel threatened or feel that they are going to lose their partner, be rejected by a partner, or that a partner is distancing themselves from them. When we feel this way, we feel a strong desire, urge, or need to feel secure, to feel reassured, to feel connected, to get back into our safety zone. So we feel an immediate need to get our needs met now, to know that everything is okay. Those of us that are anxiously attached feel primal panic more often than securely attached people and are less effective at managing the fear, anxiety, and overwhelm within a relationship. As adults, we are prone to panic at any hint of distance from our partner a family, colleague, or friends. Yes, insecure attachment is also seen in any of our close relationships. 
and we are desperate to feel close to others again, engaging our attachment system and engaging in protest behaviors to get their attention by intensifying our distress. Hyperactivating strategies may look like calling them over and over again, texting them over and over again, trying to do anything to get that connection back, trying to see if they still love you or accept you. Um, it also may look like accepting other people's behaviors that are not behaviors that you would normally accept from people that may cross your boundaries because you are afraid that if you told them how you really felt, they would leave. And that feels like a true survival threat. Even with a supportive partner, our fear of rejection may get in the way of being comforted by, or their attempts of comforting us may go unseen because our brain is primed to believe our core belief that we are unlovable and they will eventually leave us. Primal panic feels very real. And at the, at first it's hard to disentangle our emotions when in a state of primal panic and instead of being able to like break down one emotion and actually be able to label it, you may feel them all as one big distressing signal, one big distressing experience. And it may be very challenging and almost unable to communicate or address the different emotions that you're feeling. But that is completely normal. After you engage in protest behaviors, you may notice that you start numbing out behaviors of overeating, binge-watching TV shows, drinking, ruminating negative self-narratives, ruminating on thoughts about how unlovable you are or how you will never be enough. Or, of course, they are rejecting me. A.K.A. you may feel like you are freaking out, like your brain is freaking out. You may feel crazy, which is your nervous response system reacting. And it does feel crazy with inside your body and inside your brain. So why did I share all this with you? <laughs> Where's the light? What do we do, Amber? Well, what we need to do is we need to start learning to be aware of that freak out. So when you feel this freak out in your brain, or you feel those heavy, anxious sensations in your body, or this overwhelming desire to hurry up and fix something or to reconnect, or I need to do something to feel better with my partner, instead of instantly reacting and impulsively responding and believing what our brain is telling us, we need to start practicing becoming aware of these sensations in our body and questioning what our brain is telling us. When we feel an overwhelming feeling of anxiety, distress, or overwhelm, what we need to do is learn to pause. It is going to be so counterintuitive. It's going to feel like we're doing something that we're not supposed to be doing because it is not an automatic response in our primal part of our brain. This is using our prefrontal cortex. This is being able to use this part of our brain that allows us to think about our thoughts. But the importance of pausing is it allows us a chance to take a deep breath, 
and really become aware of what thoughts are triggering our primal panic. What thought caused this emotion? Then we are going to be able to have an opportunity to learn and teach our brain to be curious about these thoughts that our brain is telling us instead of automatically believing it. We can slowly learn over time of practicing pausing, practicing observing, practicing writing it down. You guys, write it down. Write down your primal panic. How do you feel? What thoughts are you thinking? What did you do when you feel this way? So that you can slowly learn to see your brain patterns, your reaction patterns. That is the only way that we can learn to change it over time. And we can change how we try to re-engage our attachment system. We can become aware of what it looks like, the patterns of our reactions and the reactions it creates and the patterns that we participate in when we feel this threat and this desperate need for comfort. What we have to remember is that primal panic is just our brain's way of telling us we need to do something. But this is a signal that we actually need to not do anything. <laughs> it's going to be counterintuitive. We need to feel the anxiety. Our body, our brain, everything inside of us never wants to feel uncomfortable emotions. Especially not fear of rejection. But we need to feel it. And then we need to tell our brain nothing has gone wrong with these feelings, with these sensations, because they are just feelings in our body. And it's our brain's way of letting us know that our attachment system has been activated. That's it. That's what we have to practice. We have to keep practicing and letting our brain know that yes, this is how our nervous response, nervous system responds. Yes, this is how our attachment system responds. But now we're using our prefrontal cortex to look at the situation and nothing, life or death, has really happened. Nothing has gone wrong. There's no immediate threat. And then we get to pause. By becoming aware of our thought patterns and our emotional patterns and how we act when we feel a certain way and the results we are creating in our relationships, we can slowly be able to change our thought patterns. When we show ourselves that no matter how many times we encounter primal panic, how many times our attachment system gets activated, that we are going to be there for ourselves and we are going to show up with compassion for our, ourself. We will slowly train and teach our brain that we have our own back. Showing ourselves compassion when our insecure thought patterns continue to show up. Because they will. We've had these attachment systems and these nervous response systems and these thoughts our entire lives. But now we're doing something differently. We're actually showing up for ourselves with compassion. We're telling our brain that, yes, I hear you, I see you, but nothing has gone wrong. It just means your brain is doing what it thinks it needs to do to protect you from perceived danger. 
We just need to develop like that pause moment, right? And the more that we pause, the more that we can practice. And the more that we pause and practice, the more that we can show up for ourselves with compassion. The more that we can be there for ourselves instead of being critical and judging our insecure thoughts. So now that we know this is what we experience, when we have a thought, they are rejecting us, or the thought, they are going to leave me, or they don't love me anymore, or they never are going to love me, all of which create the feelings of instant panic, obviously, right? And anxiety, which create the actions of texting, nonstop, calling, ruminating on negative self-perceived thoughts, and then we create the evidence that they are rejecting us while we are actually rejecting ourselves and abandoning ourselves and not showing up for ourselves and what we need in this moment, right? So this is like a snapshot of if we step out and we observe ourselves before we pause, this is the part of us that just instantly reacts. So we have to practice pausing when these thoughts and emotions arise and learn to be aware of them. Once we are aware of them, we can start creating new relationships with our attachment style, with our brain. We need to validate our brain. Of course, it's reacting this way. This is what it's used to. So you can practice it however you want. One thing that I learned to do is just literally call it out. I say, hey brain, I see you. I hear you. I hear that you are scared and you're anxious about the circumstances. But I'm here for you no matter what. And brain, there is a possibility that you are not a reliable source of truth at this moment. So I'm going to practice the thought. My primal panic has been triggered and I'm going to take a moment to do a thought download and see what is really going on here. The important component to remember is that we develop certain habits to help protect ourselves. So when looking at ourselves and understanding what we are experiencing, we should always have compassion for our experiences, for our insecure reactions, for our brain, as they were developed to protect us. Even the intensity we feel is our brain's way of saying, hey, I need help here. If you're not here for me, I might die, right? So we have to be there for ourselves during these moments because it feels very real. So this is not the time when we place judgment on ourselves. This is not the time to be self-critical or to hate our attachment style. This is really the time to dig in deep and be the best friend that you've always needed in these moments, right? To become more aware and get to know yourself or develop and not or and develop a more secure system inside you. You have to have your own back. You have to show your brain that you are there for it, that you understand what is going on. You understand why it's reacting the way that it's reacting and you love yourself no matter what. Having self-compassion when your brain 
cycles through these patterns allows you to still feel your emotions, which is important because you have to feel them in order to get through them. But it also is an important part of letting your brain know that nothing has gone wrong. Resisting the cycle of your anxious attachment or insecure attachment, avoiding it, resisting it, will not stop the cycle. It's an actual wiring of your brain. It will only prolong the anxious emotions and create more mental drama. So practicing thoughts like, these are the moments when my brain feels like I'm being rejected. So I'm going to remind myself that I love it and that nothing has gone wrong. And I'm going to go do a thought download about what just happened. Remember, a thought download is where you just go and write unfiltered and no judgment. Any thoughts that come out. Excuse me, I have a tickle in my throat. These are the moments when I feel unlovable. So I'm going to tell my brain that I am open to the possibility that I am lovable. And my brain is not showing me accurate memories right now. And nothing has gone wrong. Because remember, our brain, when our insecure attachment styles get activated, our systems get activated, it engages in that cognitive bias, right? And it does the selective memory, the selective feedback, the selective interpretation. So it is not giving you valuable feedback. Not even valuable. (laughs) Accurate. So the more that we practice, like, these are the moments when I feel anxious. These are the moments when I feel unlovable. This is when my brain wants to tell me that my partner never has loved me. My partner never has understood me. Right? Anytime our brain wants to tell us never is a good part to, like, kind of pause and be like, oh, what is my brain up to? This will allow you to feel the anxiety, accept it, then process the thoughts you are thinking and decide if you want to keep these thoughts. What? Yep. Guess what, you guys? Not only do we get to practice processing this and practice feeling our emotions and practice talking back to our brain, we also get to choose what thoughts we want to keep. Yep. Did you guys know that all thoughts are optional? What? I know, me too. I about freaked out. I was like, oh, that's not true. But yep, all thoughts are optional. We get to pick and choose what thoughts are serving us, what thoughts are working for us, and what thoughts we want to practice to develop a more secure attachment. What thoughts do we want to develop during the time that our primal panic is initiated? I offered you some. But please, make it your own. Like, you do not have to use mine. (laughs) Okay? So, some guiding questions for you are, what do you make it mean when somebody doesn't want to do something with you? What do you think is a problem with developing, like, I was going to say, like, your own hobbies. But let's even, like, just back up there. We'll do that on the next episode. Some more guiding questions, I guess, for this particular episode would be, what does it feel like for you when you feel primal panic? Or just say an overload of the need to be comforted, the need to do something. What thoughts do you notice come up for you? What self-narrative keeps coming up for you? 
what core belief about you and about love keeps coming up? And ask yourself, do I want to keep thinking this? Do I want to keep believing that I'm not lovable? Do I want to keep believing that every argument, every situation that shows me distress, every little action that my partner takes that looks like they're distancing themselves from us, do I want to feel this way? And if you don't, then you get to learn how not to. It's not easy, you guys, and I've been doing this work for years. And the insecure attachment styles and the experiences we go through feel so urgent. And it feels like what our brain is telling us is so true. But I want to offer to you that you are inherently worthy exactly as you are. You cannot make somebody love you. You cannot action your way through love. Just like somebody can't make you love them. The only way that you create love, and even in a relationship, even with somebody that you love, that you're in a relationship with now, or somebody that you still love and are not in a relationship with. It is your thoughts about that person. It's your thoughts about the love. It's your thoughts about the relationship, the experience. The only thing that causes love is your thoughts about it. And I really would like you to experience self-love. And for us with insecure attachment, that's like our life goal, right? Our life journey is to finally feel like we're good enough. To finally feel like we're lovable. I've always hated everybody. You have to love yourself first, right? <laughs> but they're so right. That's so true. I've always hated it growing up, right? I love myself. I do. I do love myself. I surface loved me. Absolutely. I had confidence in every area of my life except for relationships. And my own self-love. But man, when you love yourself, like deep down love yourself, it makes the rest of life easier to go through. There's still very hard moments, but... If you do the deep work that is called self-love, if you do the deep work that it takes to develop a more secure attachment within yourself, man, it's worth it. I'm going to pause here for this one because learning about your attachment styles, learning about the way it works when your attachment style is triggered is a lot. So please stop, pause, and go back and listen again. And if you have any questions about attachment styles or my program, I have an eight-week program for, um, I think I call it anxiously attached solutions, um, insecure attachment. But basically, I take eight weeks of one-on-one -on -one coaching and we work on these core beliefs. We work on developing a more secure attachment within yourself. We work on self-love, self-confidence, and self-worth. So if you want to hear more about that, please go to um, follow me on Instagram at Taking Back Her Brain. Go to my website, www.takingbackherbrain.com. 
or email me. I love to hear from you guys. I love to hear how the podcast is going for you if you have questions. Um, I'm also doing a six-week mini session for clients. It's free one-on-one coaching for 25 minutes a week so that people can really get to see what is coaching. So if you're not following me on Instagram, head on over. I do most of my content on Instagram right now. One day I'll move to Facebook. We'll see. I hope you guys have a great day. And remember, go out and feel those feelings. And then write them down. And ask yourself, is this thought serving me? If you want more information, please visit www.takingbackherbrain.com. Don't forget to follow Taking Back Her Brain on Instagram and Facebook. That is one word. Thank you for listening. Have a nice day, everybody.